0: lesson entitled Heart for God is going to be a series that we do uh, basically for, you know, throughout the rest of this month and and into October. Uh, Because brothers, the heart is everything, you know. Uh, We have put some scriptures out um, in the lesson. And uh, I I, I just want to encourage you uh, to just Read and, and and think about God's word. You know, the heart is powerful. It's powerful enough to determine the course of our lives. Think about it. What we feel. What we say. And ultimately, what we do. That's why our hearts are so important. To our relationship with God. And being close to God, being close to Him, and living out His purpose for us means not only letting Him change the way that we act, but also letting Him change our hearts. And so I want to start off just by looking at what God says about how God changes us from the inside Outside to outside. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul, and so you may live. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 24. He says, guard your hearts above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Here's another scripture. I love this one. Ezekiel 36, 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Acts 16, verse 14. It says, one of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God, as she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Last scripture, but God, Acts 13, 22. This was kind of our theme scripture from Sunday. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, how about you How about having this said about you? I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You know, as I said, God is after our hearts. He's not after our performance. He's not after our church attendance, he's after our hearts. And I wanna ask you if you could put in the chat, why is God after our hearts and not just our actions? Why is he after our hearts? Let's talk about that for a second. Why is God after our hearts? Heart has deep, deep waters, okay? He wants us to be sincere. Actions don't matter unless it's from the heart. Our heart reveals who we really are. Actions depend on circumstances. Our heart is a true reflection of where we're at. That's who we are. Our hearts show our true commitment to him. It's with our hearts that we move our bodies. Mm. Okay. He loves us and wants our sincere love. Actions are impulsive. The heart is steady. We will surely change. Yeah. You know, guys, it's important because You know, all of the things that that was said are true. You know, um, if God gets to our hearts, he gets us. You know, you could actually go through the motions, but not really give God your heart. You know, Jesus said that to the, you know, to to the teachers of the law. He says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. You know, one of the things that we talked about on Sunday was how to develop a heart for God. You know, and we 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 talked about um you know understanding and identifying fears, you know, um that sometimes unconquered fear can lead us into directions that we don't want to go. And you know saw what was a really great example of someone who didn't deal with his fears and it led him to complacency and he wanted to please people more than he wanted to please God. You know, he even, uh, put up a monument to himself after, um, going into battle and, um, you know he 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 wanted all the credit he wanted he he wanted people to, to to like him but when it came down to his relationship with God he was unwilling to do what God wanted him to do where david had a a, a very different heart and you can see just in in the lives uh why it was important to 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 deal with the fears and so we had a question from Sunday, and I'm going to put it out here again about what needs to change about your view of God so that you can develop more of a heart for him. What needs to do to change about your view of God? And I say that because, you know, when we don't give God our whole hearts there's something that's holding us back. and it could be complacency, it could be comfort, it can be credit, it could be compromise, some of the things that we said before, you know um, and, and it could be a bunch of other things, you know it can be, you know hurts from the past, but we talked about, you know, we, we, we got to be um careful of of what can cause us to lose heart. You know, disappointment. Hey, I thought things were going to work out this way, but then it worked out a completely different way. And, you know, but the beauty is the scriptures that we looked at beforehand, God loves to work on the inside. And if you and I can see him in a way that says, okay, God, you're not giving me a hard time. You're not being hard on me. But you're trying to develop me. You're trying to mature me. Maybe you're trying to help me to think differently. Well, I want to show you a video from a a popular um, website. It's it's called uh, The Bible Project. And they do some really great videos. I want you to listen to this video that they created based on the shema you know which is the the uh, deuteronomy scripture about loving the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength so listen to this
1: for thousands of years every morning and evening jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to god they're called the shema hear o israel the lord is our god the lord is one and as for you you shall love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul and with all of your strength. We are going to look at the fourth key word in this prayer, heart, which in Hebrew is sometimes pronounced levav or more often in a shorter form Lev. Now different cultures throughout history have had different conceptions of how the human body works and this is also true of the ancient Israelite writers of the Bible. They knew that the heart was an organ in the chest that sustains life. There's mention of a heart attack in the Bible, Naval, whose heart died inside of him and he became like stone. But the biblical authors talk about the heart in many other ways that might seem strange to modern readers and that's because these Israelites had no concept of the brain or any word for it. They imagined that all of a human's intellectual activity takes place in the heart. For example, you know with your heart in the Bible. Your heart is where you understand and make connections. In the book of Proverbs, wisdom dwells in the heart. And your heart is what you use to discern between truth and error like Solomon did when he was king. So, the heart is where you think and make sense of the world, and it is where you do more. In the Bible, the heart is where you feel emotions. You feel pain in your heart, like Hannah did when she could not have any children. In fact, the phrase, a broken heart, comes from ancient biblical Hebrew. You also experience fear in your heart. Your heart can melt or be distressed. Your heart can even be depressed. But then, on the flip side, your heart is where you experience joy. In Hebrew, to be happy is to be good of heart, or to have a heart of joy. So, the heart is the generator of physical life. It's also the center of your intellectual and emotional life, and there's more. In biblical Hebrew, the heart is where you make choices motivated by your desires. So, David had it in his heart to build a temple for God. Your heart is where your affections are centered. They're called the desires of your heart. And if you really want something and go after it, it's like what Nathan said to David whatever's in your heart, go and do it. So, then, in the Bible, the heart is the center of all parts of human existence, as in the well known Proverb, guard your heart because from it flows your whole life. Now, the prophet Jeremiah believed that the human heart was fundamentally broken. He said, the heart of a human is deceitful above all, irreversibly sick. Who can even understand it? He had watched a whole generation turn away from God. They started sacrificing their children as if that were a good thing. So this is why, in the imagination of the Hebrew prophets, the only hope for humanity is the total renewal of the human heart. Moses predicted that if Israel was ever going to love their God, their heart would need to be circumcised, which is a very vivid and surprising metaphor about removing evil and stubbornness from the human heart. David, after he committed murder and adultery, pleads with God to create in me a pure heart. The prophet Ezekiel hoped for a day when God would remove the heart of stone and give his people a new heart of soft flesh, which is very similar to Jeremiah's hope that God would write the commands of the Torah on the hearts of his people. And That brings us all the way back to the Shema. Every day, God's people are called to devote to God their whole body and mind, their feelings and their desires, their future and their failures. This is what it means to love the Lord your God with all of your heart.
0: Yeah, brothers, that is a cool little website. They got some great stories there, Um, great Bible uh, explanations. But, um, you know, he talked about just the, the heart. You know, David, as I said earlier, was a man known as a man after God's own heart. I want to, you know, again, in the chat, what, what, what do you think motivated David to turn back to God when he blew it with Bathsheba, when he, um, you know, he messed up with, with his kids? Um, what, what, what do you think? And again, you could throw it in the chat. What, What did David know about God that you and I need to maybe understand on a deeper level? Yeah, why don't you put that that in the chat? All right. Great. We had a strong relationship with God. Okay. His love for God. Okay. Okay. God turned back when he saw himself before God after being confronted because he was devoted to God. Yeah. David turned back to God. Yeah. His friendship with God. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps he experienced great victories of faith in the past that developed trust and experience. Lion bear. Yeah. He knew his place with God. Okay. He's faithful. God understood, David understood God's faithfulness, steadfast love. Yeah. God loved David and had a plan for him, understood how he hurt God. Okay. You know, it, this is so important, brothers, all what you're saying. Because how often can we lose sight of who God is? And sometimes when life hits unexpected things happen. We can get rattled or we can get shaken. And David, oh my gosh, he went from great heights as a shepherd, incredible victories to deep, deep lows where one of his sons killed the other one, the other son, because of what he did to his sister. Um, I mean, he, he had the whole gamut, but David really put his trust in God. You know, I want to read a couple of things that David wrote about God. Psalm 63, verse 1, he says, Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. David said, you are my God. This was very personal. He was very intimate. And he was seeking him. You know, this scripture is very convicting because sometimes I know I'm tempted to seek what I want from God. You know, I want peace. I want uh you know, pleasures. I I I want uh, success. I want to be effective. I want to be efficient. Uh, but David said, "No, I seek you," and there's a big difference between seeking God and um, seeking what God can can give us. You know, here's another scripture, Psalm 34, verse four. He says, "I sought the Lord." And he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. You know, yesterday, uh, I was talking to Rob Cook uh, earlier today. And um I want to show you guys something real quick because it was very uh, it's very nostalgic um, what happened yesterday. I was down at NJIT and um was meeting up with one of the brothers and um let me share this real quick. And uh and this young man came walking by. Some of you guys know this is uh this is Kai Lopez. And uh and, on, and and I was sitting talking to someone else, and and Kai comes walking by, and I said, uh, "I don't know which one you are, but I know you're a Lopez." <laughs> and uh, he started laughing, and you know, we had a we had a moment. And Kai is now a senior in his last semester or last year at NJIT, and it, and and it just it hit me like. Okay, I remember when this kid was born, but yesterday was the the exact day that Rob Cook met me in the cafeteria, and I was sitting there just reminiscing, thinking about, look at what God has done, and on the 26th of this month, it'll be 33 years ago that I was baptized into Christ and i'm not you know saying that to toot my horn i'm saying that to say dog on it i'm getting old uh <laughs> but seriously man god has been working and he's done amazing things you and i could stop and just look back and think about what god has done and if we can stop and remember remember how he's worked, how he has answered prayers, how he has changed relationships, how he has brought you and I out of all kinds of, uh, you know, just drama and and sin. And, you know, sometimes we we have to stop and, and just really think about well, look at what, what has he done? And, um, and the reason I, I, I say that is because David said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. So let me get this back up. There we go. Yeah, there you go. He said, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Now, brothers, we talked a little bit about this on Sunday, how unconquered fears can drive us. And I just want to encourage, I want you to think about some of the things that God has answered in prayers that you you prayed, that maybe you don't even remember. Things that you're, you're not even aware of you know, I was, again, Rob and I were talking a little bit before. Well, last night, uh, some of you guys remember Don Stewart. He was the first guy that, uh, you know, i studied the Bible with and helped become a Christian. He was one of my teammates. Well, last night, I got together with two of his sons. And, um, you know, one of them is contemplating getting baptized in, in, in another church. And um, and he said, Hey, I, Unk, I want to talk to you about this. And man, we got together and we looked at some scriptures and it was so cool, but I was sitting there thinking, Oh my gosh, this is, this is my buddy's boys. And, and, and we, st- we got this relationship and he's Don's not part of the church anymore, but we're still friends. And we're still connected. But his son reached out to me and I thought, wow, you know, God, you, you, You you deliver people. You you deliver us from ourselves. You deliver us from our fears. And I just want to encourage us to, to, again, take time to think about where we were and look at where God has brought us. David understood that. He experienced seeking God. He experienced God's answers to his life. He experienced deliverance from his fears, from his father-in-law trying to pin him to a wall with a spear. And he experienced fighting Goliath and and, and all kinds of, uh, you know, war battles. And he says, God delivered me from all my fears. You know, it's amazing when We can look at our lives and we can look back like David. He wrote down these Psalms because of the experiences that he had with God. Here's another one, Psalm 51, verse 13. He says, then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. You know, brothers, when you think about it, part of why we are here is that we can help teach people in some way through our lives, through our example, through our failures, through through our mistakes. But ultimately, it's directing them back to God. Why? Because God's got a plan and a purpose. Sometimes I think we can lose sight of the fact that, man, we, we have an important, unbelievable role in God's plan. And part of it is teaching. Part of it is opening up God's word and helping someone see truth, see the light. Last night was so powerful because these young men were sitting there and they were like, wow, this is what the Bible says about this particular topic. And this is what sin is, this is what repentance is. And it was so exciting. You know, I think. The more that you and I are about that part of what David talks about here, man, we're going to see more and more miracles happen. Here's the last one Psalm 25, verse 8 through 10. David says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. All the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. You know, this is so important, brothers, because we have opportunities every day to learn from the one who created it all. We have opportunity every single day to be taught by our father. And then if that weren't enough, he says, hey, I'm giving you peer relationships. And some in some of our, our cases, we have spouses or maybe we have a girlfriend. And then in some cases, we we have mentors, but God's given us literally everything that we need for life and godliness. But David says, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful towards those who keep the demands of his covenant. Let me ask you, do you love the Lord's ways? Do you love that you have his words, his truth, that's eternal. I want to share another video here about love, and then we're going to wrap it up.
1: For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We are going to look at the third key word in this prayer, how Israel is called to love their God. But what does that mean? Love is a very common word in most languages, as it is in ancient Hebrew. It's pronounced ahava. It most basically refers to the kind of affection or care that one person shows another. It sometimes describes physical affection, like the king of Persia's love for Queen Esther. But there are other Hebrew words that more specifically refer to physical desire or sex. Ahava is more broad. So Abraham had ahava for his son Isaac. That's parental love. Jonathan showed ahava for his friend David. That would be brotherly love. In fact, a whole group of people can have ahava for their leader, like when the Israelites showed love for their king David. Ahava can even describe loyalty between political allies, like Hiram, the king of Tyre, loved David. They had good relations, and so Hiram wanted to help David's son Solomon build the temple. These are all different kinds of affection described with the one word ahava. Now all of this is helpful for understanding God's ahava in the Old Testament. So in Deuteronomy Moses told the Israelites, God showed affection for you. He chose you because of his ahava for you. So God doesn't love because the Israelites earned it or deserve it. It simply originates from God's own character. He loves because he loves. This is why Jeremiah can say that God's love is everlasting. It has no end because it has no beginning. God's love just is an eternal fact of the universe. And God's love is not a duty. It is a genuine feeling, an affection that God experiences. This is why the prophet Hosea compares God's love for his people to a husband's ahava for his wife or to a parent showing ahava for their child. It is one of the strongest things that God feels. But that does not mean that God's love is just a feeling. God's love is also in action. It is something God chooses to do. Like when Moses says, Because of God's ahava for your ancestors, he brought you out of Egypt with great power. God's love isn't just a sentiment, it is something God does. And so, in the Shema, Israel is called to respond to God's Ahava by showing Ahava in return. And just like God's love, human love is to show itself through actions. Like in Deuteronomy 10. What does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him and serve him and to keep his commands? All of these actions are centered around love. If I am not doing them, I do not actually love God, I just say I do. Which leads to one last thing. In the Old Testament, I show my love for God by how I treat the people around me. In Deuteronomy we read that God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and he shows ahava for the immigrants among you giving them food and clothing and so you also show ahava for the immigrant. So the people are to imitate God's ahava by showing ahava for others. This is the idea underneath the famous line you shall ahava your neighbor as yourself. And so, at the end of the day, all of this is rooted in God's own eternal Ahava. Like we read in the New Testament letter of 1 John, we love because God first loved us. And that is the Hebrew word Ahava. I'm sorry,
0: brothers. <laughs> My bad. All right. Psalm 48. Thank you, Coop, Geraldo, Lewis, Ashton, <laughs> Rick. Psalm 48, verse 9. It says Within your temple, O oh God, we meditate on your, your unfailing love like your name oh god your praise reaches to the ends of the earth your right hand is filled with righteousness you know guys god's, god's unfailing love that was something david knew intimately how could knowing god's unfailing love how how could that change your life how 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 could that uh, empower you how how can that help you uh, be motivated not just to say you love God but to to act on those convictions. You know, as I said before, we um we talked on Sunday about surrounding ourselves with relationships that share God's vision for our lives and that help us to to fulfill that vision. You know, it is so imperative that we continue to to keep deepening and developing those relationships um, that we keep expanding because one of the things I see Satan doing sometimes is he, he's separating us and you got the singles over here and you got the campus over here and you got the marriage over here you got the marriage with no kids over here you got the marriage uh who are empty nesters and man we got to continue to connect with each other We got to continue to to learn how to, you know, encourage each other and be asking each other, hey, how is it going? But here's the challenge I want to give you. Uh, Dear friend of mine, some of you guys know Steve Rivera. Uh, He shared this with me a couple of weeks ago. And um, I've been just doing this kind of personal thing here. And talking about growing personally. And so what he talked about was he says you know we all have a comfort zone where we feel safe and you know quote unquote in control and he says in order for us to grow we got to we got to go through kind of a process here and he says to grow you got to get out of your comfort zone and so that zone is the fear zone that's that's the area where we talked about on sunday what 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 are what are your what are your fears what what are the things that you're afraid of you know other people's opinions you know what what excuses do you make to stay in the comfort zone uh what 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 area might you be lacking confidence to to get out of where you're comfortable. And, and so he says, you know, when you then break out of that fear zone, then you start facing and dealing with challenges or problems. You know, you start to learn, you start to say, okay, so here's, what's in front of me. Okay. How am I going to, how am I going to do, deal with that? You know, uh, in the learning zone, we, we learn how to develop new skills, uh, we we learn how to um you know grow in our characters in, in, in some kind of way and then it leads to the growth zone and this is that part where we're keenly in tune with our purpose we're we're we're, we're dreaming big dreams and and we're seeing and watching god do more than we could ask or imagine maybe we're setting goals Or we're realizing aspirations. We've talked about different things. I love what Chuck and Carlito have been doing with this mental health uh, ministry and the trauma. And, you know, guys, it's going to be something that's so impactful to the church and to our community because we're going to meet needs in a way that's going to help people break out of, you know, negative patterns of thinking. You know, I want to, you know, thank you uh, for guys that are in uh, doing the purity groups and the CR groups and the squad, uh, Ted Gill. Uh, all of these tools are to help us to, to grow. And I want to encourage you to think about, hey, what, what's my comfort zone? How can I break through a fear? Maybe it's, you know, this or that. Well, how can I continue to learn? What can I do to grow? in my relationship with God. And again maybe that's just simply hey I'm going to spend more time in my Bible. I'm going to maybe get together with a brother and I'm going to start praying consistently or maybe I'm going to get into, you know, Bible studies or uh, again you, you got to kind of figure that part out. But I this was just something that was very helpful for me because I applied this principle in this image regarding my health and you know i shared you know the other day and it's it's really working but i got somebody helping me in this area and so as you think about yourself and you think about hey how where where am i and how am i doing with just my heart for god does he have my whole heart okay if he doesn't what do i need to do to give him my whole heart so i can be like david and like he said I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Brothers, let that be said about us. We love God and we'll do whatever he wants us to do. Let's pray together.